0: Welcome to the second of the inverted Wingers preview shows for the Euro 2016 competition. Yes, now we 've finally got that pesky championship playoff and Champions League final out of the way it 's time to concentrate on the big football stories of the summer. Will anyone recognize third choice England keeper Tom Heaton? <laughs> will our wags find any decent shopping in Chantilly? and will Wayne Rooney find any French grand mares to his liking <laughs> Joining me today to analyse groups D and E for you is a man with the utmost respect for grannies everywhere. It's Tom.
1: I thought it was Wayne Rooney.
0: Well, he—I don't know if he really respects them. He pays them hard cash, presumably, (laughs) but I don't think there's hard something anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully. And making his pod debut, we are
1: delighted to welcome the. Colleen Rooney. would be great. We've got, yeah, we got yeah, 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 we've got a granny and we've got a clean Rooney. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be. If great Wayne tension, doesn't yeah. win, a yeah. big day, like.
0: And making his pod debut, we are delighted to welcome the Emerald Isle's favourite son. It's Cahill. <laughs> delighted
2: to be here. Excellent. Well, how are you boys? Good. Enjoy watching the Champions League final last night. I have to admit, I was out, but I saw the highlights of it afterwards. It was, I saw? I got actually, I got the uh, the penalties. So okay, it was the best part. I the know, highlights, so, yeah. So, yeah. You know. I saw
1: a very modern modern situation of three people outside a pub drinking their drinks with their mobile phone on the windowsill of the pub, watching it on their phone. The pub wasn't showing the football, but they made it.
0: <laughs> really? It had
1: a mini, mini screen out outside <laughs> the pub. So, hang on, three, three phones or just
0: one phone, and three people? Three people, three drinks, one phone. Excellent. Do you it's... think the three people even knew each other, or is that just a great way of just making friends? Outside, is. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's the new smirting, which is smoking and flirting. I didn't know that. There you go. (laughs) All right, so with no further ado, let's jump into what many people are calling the Group of Death. It's Group E, containing Belgium, Italy, Ireland and Sweden. So four very decent sides here. Includes FIFA's highest ranked European side, Belgium, who are second only to Argentina in the rankings. And of course there's Italy, won the World Cup ten years ago. So who's going to make it out of this Group of Death alive
2: and kicking? Shall we start with Cahal talking about Ireland. How are they going to do? Uh, well, as you said, group of death, so it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, they come out of a hard group in the qualifying phases with Germany and Poland, but for me, like Belgium are probably, on paper, probably one of the strongest teams in it. Mm. And Italy are always strong. The whole Irish team is basically based around, based on hard work more than talent. Okay. But if you look at their players, there's going to be a lot of championship players in there. Yes. And lower level premiership players. No, no one on the Irish team is playing at the highest... The highest... One of the big Premier League teams. So who's so. your best player? Shane Long, maybe? Uh, James McCarthy's pretty good. Okay. James Coleman's a good fullback. Yeah. Not this uh, season, though. <laughs> this season, but he's got good talent. But yeah, like... Someone like, like Glenn Whelan kind of epitomises the Irish team. Yeah. He's like... Solid, hardworking... Player and everyone first
3: name on the
0: team sheet for Sunderland but nobody knows what he looks like Stoke
2: <laughs> there you go, that's how unmemorable he is exactly, exactly, he's hard working effort, that's what and it's even yeah. with the strikers like Long and Walters will probably be up front as well there isn't 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 great talent but they'll run all day and they're the first line of defence when they yeah. give the ball that's the kind of style they play w-
1: Sam Allardyce is a big fan of Glenn Whelan though he does put him on the team sheet every week first and then has does to- he <laughs> he's he around ground. him, he, around like, him. Yeah. He, he should really put in a bid really that's
0: the solution to it <laughs> I, I would hate to play against Shane Long he's one of those strikers never gives you a second yeah. chase down everything yeah. and I bet he I bet he puts in a lo- nasty little late niggly tackle I bet he he's all mouthed to the central <laughs> defenders
1: I bet he's just a nightmare would yeah. you rather defend against him or Graziano Pele another striker who'll be playing in this group that's true physically very strong guy too yeah good looking man Good, good <laughs> great hair great hair. for a big man 6 foot 4 <laughs> yeah
3: is he 6 foot
2: 4 he, he must be is that. Out, yeah he must oh, be wow. okay. so he's a lot bigger than Shane Long yeah Long is sort of a scrappy kind of Scrappy is the word, yeah. isn't it? He's, fast. he's a good athletic abilities, fast and strong, and he, he's a good header of the ball. I think he's a good finisher, Shane Melvin. Yeah, he he's pacey. He yeah, scored he's... the other night against the Netherlands. So how are Ireland going to set up? What's your formation? See, they'll change. Basically, when they play big teams, when they play like, like in Germany, when they're playing in the qualifying, or when they play Italy or Belgium, they'll probably just go one up front. Mm. They'll probably go... But either Long or Walters kind of do the same, similar job of being a strong... You can put them up front in their own and do a lot of work. But if, let's say, in Sweden, they'll probably also throw on Robbie Keane up front. So, for one last hurrah. Is he still doing that celebration? Are we going to get to see the the bow and arrow? Highest score in world uh, international soccer at the the moment. Still active. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's got more than Ibra? Yeah. In like 300 caps, but... Right, okay. So one in six. (laughs) Definitely the most goals with the same
0: celebration in international football still playing. Didn't he retire it at one point? And then bring it back. Public demand, probably. (laughs) Or back strain. Yeah, exactly. He's getting old
2: now, he's about thirty five or six now, so And he's absolutely he's knocking them in at uh, LA Galaxy. Isn't oh yeah. He? yeah he's, he's doing well. He's scoring like Ronaldo type numbers, up, yeah, but it is the MLS. So yes, it's, that's true. It's a minor league. <laughs> a Very <laughs> it's minor league. Minor league soccer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They've really got it the name wrong. Yeah.
0: yeah. Last time we saw Ireland at a major competition was four years ago. Yeah, okay. and they were very poor. So yeah. what what who, who's new that's come into the team since then? That's We've got the, any young it, talent or is it basically
2: the, the same squad? Unfortunately it's largely the same squad. I mean Shay Givens still there? Shea Given's on the bench. John O'Shea, is he still? John O'Shea's still there. Dean Kiley. <laughs> John, John Aldridge. Dean you know, They're all, yeah, on the pension. Yeah. The, Ireland hasn't haven't had a, I would call a strong team since. The 2002 World Cup, they had a strong team. They had mm. players playing at the highest level. Now they're getting by in just raw effort. And the fact that the Euro Championships are bigger now. Yeah, the great Irish teams were like, like in the 90s, the early 2000s. Like I said, the, the James McCarthy would be their star player. Yeah, you know that'll be the talent. Whereas before you'd have Ronnie Whelan or Paul McGrath or James McCarthy mm-hmm. being the best player from Scotland. Yeah, well, we take him from everywhere. Is so Aidan
1: McGeady gonna be playing?
2: He'll be on the bench. He'd be on the, the bench, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's three or four guys there who are actually Northern Irish. Who, because of political wrangling, you can be an citizen and be from Northern Ireland. Right. So okay. if you want to play for Republic and you're from the North, you can yeah. do that. So, so James have, McLean uh, is Northern Irish Oh yeah He's, he's quite political isn't he James McLean Yeah yeah he says a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> Shane Duffy he's a full back there He's from Northern Ireland He's a boy's then, is. isn't he it's, <laughs> they, the boy banking didn't work out and okay, put
0: a okay. goal yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah. well they, cause actually that worked in reverse didn't they? because one of the guys
2: from was it Boyzone or Westlife was oh, yeah. a keeper yeah. he was a really good keeper Egan. yeah he was uh, on the Celtics books at one point okay yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ben died on Ben's interests
1: boy bands Dalit Tablet <laughs> and DIY yeah it's a, it's a very niche set of
0: interests so two very tough games against Belgium and very. Italy so you've got to be
2: pinning it's, your hopes on that first game against Sweden, right? Yeah, That's they have key to get, for Ireland. Yeah, they have to get out the gates first. And if they can get a bit of momentum going, they, they could beat Sweden and Nick draws against Italy yeah. and they could conceivably go through, you know? Yeah. They'd be looking to at least get a point off those those teams, you know? Yeah, I think uh, and there'll
0: be quite a few teams who get through on four points. I think if you're on four points, you're pretty guaranteed to go through. Because of this ridiculous format with all but two of the third place
2: teams qualifying, I think there'll be some teams who get through with three draws. Yeah, Possibly. And, uh, in the 1990 World Cup, uh, Ireland got through three draw. They didn't score yeah. any goals in the qualifying phase and got through to the qualifying. That was the England, <laughs> Saudi Arabia, Netherlands, Ireland group, wasn't it? And we all drew against each other until the last game, I Could think. Could have been that one, yeah. 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 Like, uh, yeah. The famous thing is like Ireland didn't score in the qualifying phases and still got through. Amazing. That's what Amazing. Was, yeah. There you I, go. I'm pretty sure it's true. I think there's luck of the Irish, isn't it? Isn't that basically <laughs> the phrase that's invented for that kind of thing exactly. alright so will you be taking thousands and thousands of fans yes I suppose what we're known for more than anything else yeah but uh cheering whether we're losing or not which I'm not a fan of I think this group should be quite an interesting one for the fans because obviously you've
0: got the Irish going over they're always good value you've got the Swedish going over who are excellent fans they won um, football supporters team of the tournament at the 2006 World Cup you've
1: got the Belgians
0: popping over the border exactly Belgians and they might bring that um, young lady Axel who caused such a stir at the last European Championships do you remember her she was pictured by the cameras they kind of took a liking to her oh yeah the cameras constantly went to. Constantly, yeah, she was yeah, wearing yeah. like the horns of uh, of the Belgian team, and then she got a contract with L'Oreal, and then about a week later, somebody went through her Facebook account and found loads of photos of her like standing over dead animals that she'd shot on hunting trips. she'd like <laughs> standing <laughs> over, sort of, you know, sort of. Cecil the Lion type stuff, and there was an uproar, and she had a contract cancelled. So <laughs> so she should be quite. Easy value. come, easy goal. And then there's the Italians, and who knows <laughs> what they can do, unpredictable. So yeah, it should be an interesting group. Yeah. Well, shall we move on
1: to Italy? How are they going to do, Tom? It was interesting what you were saying in terms of I think Italy might be an easier game than Sweden, and maybe oh. it's more important to beat Sweden, but I think a draw against Italy is quite realistic. Mm. They uh, had a terrible World Cup last time round. They only got a win against England, and um, <laughs> shabby. Lost...
2: <laughs> Who doesn't? Their the minimum, game.
1: really. They, they lost their other two games, and since then they've really they've got weaker. Whereas England have brought in a new kind of generation of players. Mm. Italy have, have not brought in a new generation of players. Mm. They're still relying on the same old players. Uh, Conte still playing his three centre-backs. I thought you were going to say he's still playing for a second. That would be going back. Roy <laughs> Keane's dusting down his boots for Ireland and Conte's dusting his down for Italy, yeah. So they're strong in defence. They're three centre-backs who we all know from Juventus and who will be very solid. And the goalkeeper um, with his 156 caps, a lot of experience at the back, so they will be hard to score against, but also... Creatively and attacking-wise, they really haven't got much this time round. Their back five is basically all Bs, isn't it? Buffon, Barzagli, Bonucci. Bonucci. Mm-hmm. They've got Cialini, I Cialini, guess. So Cialini, And he's been a bit ruthless. He's not called up his MLS players, who he also used to manage at Juventus. So there's no Pirlo this time round. No Giovino um, up front. And he's been banging
0: them in in the yeah. minor league football.
1: Noisario Balotelli, who was the top scorer in the Euro 2012. He's not been called up. Well, as Acanti said, that's the price you pay for going to the MLS. Fair enough, really. Well, for, for Pirlo, who's 37, maybe, but for Giovino, who's 29 and has been in good form, and, uh, it, it does seem... A little bit harsher. Well, it depends. Who are their other strikers? Who are they? Who are they well, jettisoning him for Graziano Pele with his four international goals, aged thirty. <laughs> but all of them their, beautiful, like his face. leading striker, <laughs> um, and he scored three in qualifying. So he he's their their only real recognised um, out and out
2: target man. What is- what's the name of the uh, Italian striker who played at AC Milan Schoari Schoari yeah 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 is he in the pen now he's in the squad he, he's been in pretty poor form
1: for the last couple right. of years but he's, he went on loan to Roma this season and scored oh. a few goals so he, he's in the squad but um, I think they'll be looking to play him on the wing if he comes on to an right. impact, impact substitute but yeah and they're missing some key men in midfield uh, Marquisio and Verratti have been injured yeah. so they've lost a lot of that um, creativity and they're going to have to rely mm. on the old timers De Rossi and Motta they were 32 and 33, so a long time around, yeah. there's a risk that it's quite pedestrian attacking force, really. Yeah, Verratti is the really big miss. He is an
0: absolutely sensational player for Quantity, quality. Yeah. Really good. Pretty technically, yeah.
1: One player might add some creativity is Lorenzo Insigne. From, he's had a good season for Napoli. But in general, I think if Ireland can
2: respond to Pelé's aerial threat and the set pieces, I think they've got a good chance of, and one of thing, nicking a draw on that one. Interesting. Yeah, in terms of like one... Area arn would be strong. Would be they're physically big and strong in the back. Instead of John O'Shea, Gossie, Richie Kyo, those kind of fellas. they won't be wanting for aerial threat, shall we say? You know. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the kind of stereotypical way
0: we think about Ireland. Like lots of lots of headed goals, free kicks, oh, threat no Quinn goals. <laughs> yeah, back exactly. <laughs> Always, yeah. Yeah, an occasional Ray Hunt and screamer against Italy. That's, that's kind of
2: you know. <laughs> we lived off that for a long time. That's true. I bet he still lives off it now. Oh, I'm sure he's been drinking ever since. Yeah, <laughs> never paid for a pint since. <laughs> and Gabriel Marcotte described it as
1: the um, the shallowest talent pool Italy have had for 60 years. So really? it really does show. Mm.
0: At this point, I'm going to play a little interview I did with my friend Fabio at a wedding. He is the most Italian man (laughs) on the history of the planet. He's called Fabio Balboni and he loves making pasta and he rides a Vespa and he is a living, walking Italian stereotype. (laughs) And he was very down on the prospects for Italy. But let's see what he has to say about Italy.
3: You're going to tell me, how how is Italy going to do in the Euros? I
4: think we lack a very good striker. Okay. We got Pelle. But, you know, he's a beautiful man, but he's a sort of quite average striker. Is he going to be your starting striker? I think so. Balotelli is out, it's like a nightmare. and uh, yeah, He's
3: a literal nightmare. He's
4: a nightmare yeah, okay. for everyone. So I think it's just embarrassing Italy all over the world. We got that, we got a decent defense. Basically Juventus defense, you know, just okay. Chiellini, Barzagli, Bonucci, Buffon. Just take okay. the whole Juventus Classic. lot.
3: It's the same defense for the last six years. Exactly.
4: Triple B. Okay. Half of our, our midfielders are injured. Ferrati is injured. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah. He's your, probably your best player at the moment, isn't he? I'm best player,
4: very skilled. Famous
3: Italian player.
4: Very skilled. Thiago Motta, maybe injured. Pirlo, yeah. too old. So, mid midfield, nobody. We're going to play a 4 0 1.
3: What? You're playing five aside?
4: That's, that's what we're going to do, we're struggling with players.
3: So who are the young players we haven't heard of before? Watch out for Giaccherini, which you know well in the UK. What, Sunderland? Emmanuel for, Giaccherini?
4: Former Sunderland player, is gonna... Yes. Where,
3: where is he at the moment? Bologna, my home team, yeah. Okay.
4: So he should be playing midfield, Okay. on the, on the right. And then, yeah, we're struggling, I think. We're gonna we have the Rossi maybe, but, you know, it's a bit of... Maybe Eder at front, which is a sort of a Brazilian but half-Italian.
3: Okay, where does he play?
4: He played for Inter Milan, a front striker. Okay. He could make it, but really, we've got a pretty shit team.
3: Right? So who, who is going to be your playmaker? Who's going to take over from the role of Totti?
4: Well, uh, I think we're struggling. Montolivo maybe. While well, it's now AC Milan, AC Milan
3: now. But His okay. main problem is that he's have, shit. Do you have Kandreva still?
4: Kandreva is alright. Good shot. Okay. Not much else.
3: Okay. So, so obviously you you should be qualifying from that group, right? Because well, we got
4: Sweden and Belgium. That's not true. easy. I'm not counting my bets on finishing top. Really? You'd... I think we're definitely gonna lose Belgium, hundred percent. No okay. chance. We might get a draw with Sweden, and then we'll we we'll try and get a win with Ireland to get that third.
3: So in your qualifying group, you were in the same group as Croatia, right? Being Croatia, you yeah. had a good record. You got 24 points. So but Croatia
4: lost the match because they uh, they put some swastikas on the floor. So okay. they got yeah. So they got a three-nil against us. lost. Nice. So that's,
3: that's always helpful. We take it. Yeah. Okay. So,
4: so how, how far do you think you can get? On my sort of you know tournament bet system. Okay. We get kicked out quarterfinals against France. Okay, interesting,
3: interesting. We
4: make it through as the best third, then we get kicked out.
3: Okay, okay. So you would be quite surprised to see your team. Because right, obviously last Euros, you got all the way to the final, right? You beat Germany in the yes, semi-final, Balotelli.
4: Balotelli then was a
3: normal player. And now he's in a case. And we had
4: Cassano, which was still, you know, playing yeah. all right. No, he's sure. too old, he can't move, he's got too much of a belly.
3: Okay. Alright, what do you think
4: of your manager at the moment? Conte. Our manager is good. He likes shouting a
3: lot here. He's a bit of a crook, right? He's a Juventus. He's Juventus involved in the match fixing.
4: Oh, you're taking that up again. Look, <laughs> if there's one chance that we get to win the Euro Cup, it's because we had match fixing. Okay. Remember 2006? Okay. Match fixing scandal. Match fixing scandal. We yes. won the World Cup. That's true. That's true. That's Italian pride.
3: Okay. So in times of adversity, you come together. There you
4: go. You're touching a. You're touching a, a string there. <laughs> Italian
3: sensibility. Okay, so what can we expect from the lineup? We
4: got no fantasy with we'll the pink Attenaccio on okay. the break. Try to get a few, uh, you know, nil-nil, try to get a few goals off the... And
3: now, now that Pirlo is not there, who's going to be masterminding your free kicks, your corners? Are you going to be a, a good set ball?
4: Watch out, Fiorenzi. Fiorenzi.
1: got a little story about Buffon if you want a little story. Of course I do. (laughs) So we all we I've discovered this um unknown keeper called Gianluigi Buffon who's um approaching he's aiming to get to his hundred and sixty caps at at this point. Hundred and sixty and he's also stated he wants to play on to the next World Cup, so that would take him he'd be Pushing towards 200, if he if what he carries you on, he's at 36. He's 38. 38. So he thinks he can still bet the World Cup at 40.
0: But I mean, he, he's had quite a good season for Juventus. He's like nobody's anywhere near dislodging
1: him. They've right? only so. him and his back three in front of him. Have only conceded 20 goals all season. So yes. it, it really is a a, a off the shelf back defence. Yes, but they have all the referees in their pockets. So you know, <laughs> you've got to add at least 20 percent to that. <laughs> so um, Buffon starts his career is a bit of a fascist neo-Nazi I don't know if you're
2: familiar with his there controversies the same thing about the 88 on his back wasn't there he was injured yeah. before Euro
1: 2000 uh, and he changed his score number to 88 which is a a far right number with lots of connotations and he claimed it was yeah. four balls to give him some some rebirth to get him <laughs> fit for the tournament Somehow, what is the significance of 88 why it's, is that it's HH yeah. oh I see uh, Hitler. right okay gotcha <laughs> Okay. so he had Heil Hitler on in the back of his <laughs> shirt and then later on, changed to 77, saying that that would give him
2: rebirth powers as well. What's that? GG. Is that Gina G? He's a big, he's a big Hitler fan. G fan. I don't know which is worse, to be honest. About. GG. Before. And um, that wasn't the Crimes first time. Crimes
0: against music.
2: <laughs> Crimes against humanity.
1: He was, he was only 21, but it wasn't the first time. In the year before, he had um, gone up to the, the, the his fans with a shirt with a slogan about uh, giving up is for scoundrels, which is another uh, far-right uh, slogan in Italy. Wow. And he claimed innocence. He said he had just read it on his, a desk at school once, and it really struck him as a profound comment. He had no idea of the connotations, apparently, but he'd remembered this from his school days. So <laughs> he had a bit of a dodgy um, start to career, but he's put that, put that behind him, it seems, and he's turned into something of a poet. Have you heard his, his poetry, any of his oh, writing? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Is, so, it, is it an ode to Hitler? <laughs> it's an ode to something. Okay. I'm not sure if you can work out what, what he's so in love Cri- with. Cryptic bouffant poetry, let's go. I was 12 when I turned my back on you, denying my past to Drugs. guarantee you a safe future. Drugs, definitely. <laughs> I went with my heart, I went with my instinct, but the day I stopped looking you in the face is also the day I started to love you, to protect you, to be your first and last line of defence. I promised myself that I would do everything not to see your face again, or that I would do it as little as possible. It was painful every time I did, turning round and realising I disappointed you. Masturbating. Um... Again. (laughs) And again. We have always been opposites, yet we are complementary, like the sun and the moon, forced to live side by side without (laughs) being able to touch. Teammates for life. A life in which we're denied all contact. He wrote this. He wrote this, and it goes on and on. I... (laughs) More than 25 years ago I made my vow, I swore to protect you. So this is a poem, I, I won't read the whole thing out, it goes it's on. Is about his
2: pet? I don't know.
1: It's about the goal. It's he used to be goal. a striker, All and
2: right. when he was 12... He became a goalkeeper. So I was
0: thinking that it was something about who... Turn thinking, my back on I you. I thought, yeah, turn your back. I was thinking, I didn't want to see you. I thought it was going to be about picking the ball out of the back no. of the
1: net. There so, you go. There you go. Wow. so he really has expressed his, his strong emotion for he's, the goal. He's married to the goals. And he, he writes poems and he publishes them on Twitter and on the internet. So um, he seems to be a slightly re- reformed character. But um,
0: So in, in a pinch, if uh, Grazia Annapella and his beautiful face are not performing, they could put Buffon up front. Now that would in a be bold great. In a, a, bold a, a bold move. A bold, a bold move. Yeah, <laughs> just swap them. Just
1: put Peller in goal, Buffon up front. Kind looks is. like a goalie. He's so. tall enough. Yeah. Did you see? I saw Kasper Schmeichel in an interview saying he only became a goalkeeper when he was seventeen. Really? He said he was playing as, as a striker oh, oh, with with that father. I, with that, that name and that annoyingly. father. It seemed very implausible yeah. to me. He said I didn't start start doing it properly till I was seventeen. What's 17. his name? The
2: um, English number three, Ben Foster. Ben Foster. Yeah, he was basically a, ro- a rugby second hey, row think
1: he's like my namesake is number three for
2: England. That's true. Ben, Foster's, <laughs> ben yeah,
1: Foster. Ben that, Foster. He's part. at least number four. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Scott Carson in the mix.
2: But yeah, he was a he was a rugby player up to about fifteen or sixteen, a uh, second row player. And I don't know who it was Whatever scout saw him Said you Try off the goals <laughs> Yeah and it Good hands for a st- big man big, Exactly Good hands for a big man And it, That's how it started He, well, he didn't He didn't really play much soccer He was about 15 or 16 Well Shay Given was in boy zone Apparently. John Walters was in five <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh... That's, we, we do two things well we, or we do one thing very well, boy bands And we also play a bit of, a bit of soccer and too for
1: some reason you always wanted to get Louis Walsh back on the X-Factor <laughs> In case go. anyone cares, to bring it back onto the to the theme that we wanted on in terms of WAGs um, Buffon, he's from a very sporty family His mother was a javelin thrown, his dad was a shot putter His two sisters play volleyball for Italy his uncle played basketball for Italy. Yeah. So you'd expect him to maybe marry an athlete or a sportswoman. But yeah. no, he, he went for the cliche. He married a Czech model okay, right. and had three kids with her. He's then left her and he started, um, he got engaged to uh, Italian athlete who I, I guess is like their Sally Gunnell, an Olympic oh, uh, Olympic athlete. But he's now he's married... He's quite low there. He's <laughs> he set like... his hurdle pretty a low. A
2: better-looking yeah. Sally Gunner, an Italian Sally.
1: And he's now married to
2: the Italian
1: Gabby Logan, who is a football commentator and presenter. Right, OK. So um, he's had a colourful life and love life and... Does he, he write her poetry of the standard of what you've just read? I'm sure he keeps that private, but, <laughs> but yes, I'm sure he does. Um...
0: OK, well, I will post photos of... Buffon and his lovely wag on the Twitter account. You can follow us at Inverted Winger if you want to check out some of these people that we're talking about. I
2: missed out in my bit like uh, Claudine Palmer, Robbie Keane's oh, wife. Oh Claudine is. Keane. I knew that the other shoe was gonna come up. Was she a former Miss Ireland? She was a Miss Ireland contestant and uh I don't know, I don't think she won. Oh. And then she became Robbie Keane's wife. And there's there's no higher role for an Irish woman than to be Robbie Keane's wife. Yeah. So, Brian Discoll's wife. Uh, Is
1: that a higher... Is that an official role in Ireland?
2: Ronald Keen's maybe a little higher than Driscoll. It's it's, it's a close one. I was once (laughs) in a um, bar at university
0: um, up in Nottingham and uh, I was out with some friends... And Robbie King came in. Oh, and no. Robbie King came in with some mates, and he actually started hitting on one of my flatmates. One of my flatmates, who was, at the time, she was in the university netball team, and she was quite tall. Right. She was probably six foot. And she had no idea who Robbie King was. <laughs> so she just saw this sort of. Because he's quite short, but he's a 5'8 guy, you know, gelled up fringe, shirt, uh, wearing the uniform, um, <laughs> coming up to her and, and, you know, sort of hitting on her. And I, I can't even imagine he was coming out with a sort of bouffant style poetry I can imagine he's probably relatively direct uh, possibly quite crude and she did sort of, a little somersault on the dance floor yeah exactly did, did the bow and arrow thing she wasn't impressed um, she's kind of you know uh, flicked him off and I went up to her and I said uh, do you know who that is? Uh, and she said, uh, no, who was that? She was just annoying little Irish man. I said, well, that's Robbie Keane. He currently plays for Tottenham and he probably earns £50,000 a week. At which point I have never seen her run so fast. <laughs> but by this time he was off uh, romancing and uh, I think he was on his knees doing the, uh, the, the arrow <laughs> thing for another young lady. So, yeah, that was my housemate's chance to have yeah. probably a long and beautiful and vibrant future with Robbie Keane cruelly snatched away from her just by her own ignorance. She'd be living in LA right now. she in LA, LA, sunning herself on the beach. Life could have been very different, very different. (laughs) All right, so the last team in this group of death is uh, Sweden, or as I prefer to call them, the Zlatan Show, because (laughs) if ever there was a definition of a one-man team, this is it. We've seen some quite um, good vintage Swedish teams in the past. 1994 team of Brolin and Darlin and Jonas Tern that ripped England to... To pieces and got to the semi-final of the World Cup in um, the USA 2014 Henrik Larsson Ljungberg, Olaf Melberg um, they've always had good keepers as well This team has none of that. This team is about Zlatan and and absolutely nothing else. And he, at 34, is pulling the strings and is really all they've got. They finished third in their group behind Austria and Russia, but it was one of the more difficult qualifying groups. And then in the playoff, they had to play against their old rivals, Denmark. And Zlatan got just the three goals out (laughs) of the four that they scored in an eventual 4-3 win. And he said afterwards, Denmark said they were going to send me to retirement. I sent their whole nation into retirement. <laughs> so that's the sort of typical, sort of understated, <laughs> humble opinions of, of Mr Zlatan. So they're going to play a pretty traditional 4-4-2, or they might perhaps play Zlatan behind um, a striker up front, sort of floating in the hole. Yeah, beyond Zlatan, I don't think many non-Swedes will have heard of many of the squad. They've got a very decent, experienced keeper, Andreas Isaacson, who's been around for donkey's years. Formerly of Man City. Uh, yeah, I think briefly. They've got Norwich's relegated left back Martin Olsen anchoring the defence. They've got Sunderland's Sebastian Larsen, who's always a bit of a threat from free, free kicks. Kick specialist. Yeah, free kick <laughs> specialist. They've got a decent central midfielder called Albin Ekdal, who plays for Hamburg, who's actually a very highly rated teenager. He was bought by Juventus at the age of 16 or 17. Hasn't quite worked out for him, never made it there. He's gone to play for Hamburg now. He was almost in danger of missing the whole tournament, though, because he was enjoying himself at the weekend after helping Hamburg to avoid relegation from the Bundesliga, one of those famous, we-didn't-get-relegated nights out. (laughs) And he suffered a major laceration to his back after falling on a nightclub table. So... I don't know. I mean, that, that to me sounds like Drink was involved, maybe a couple of cheeky Sambukas and maybe... <laughs> or maybe there was um, some kind of love rat behaviour and maybe he was thrown against the nightclub table. Or he
1: trying a new goal celebration... Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure your old housemate wasn't there? And thought, yet another footballer asked me out and just pushed him onto the table. That's
0: very true, yeah. Well, maybe she's learned her lesson. I think she now... She's gone the other way now. She accepts all proposals just in case. <laughs> one of them is a professional exactly. footballer. One time, one time in a thousand, she's going to strike it lucky. Um, they've also got... Pontus Vernbloom, who's got a fantastic name, he plays for CSK in Moscow, a very big, imposing defensive midfielder, but beyond that, really very little uh, quality, they've even got a place for Kim Kallstrom, Arsenal's legendary three-match uh, appearing <laughs> Kim Kalstrom, signed in the t- 2014 transfer window, the only signing that Arsene Menger made, and made bugger-all difference because he was injured when they got him and injured throughout.
1: FA Cup winner's medal, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But they could be quite an interesting mix of youth and experience because Sweden won the under-21 Euro Championship last year and they've got six players that they've promoted from that. So they've kind of got Really young players and really old players. You've got Zlatan and Kim Kalstrom and Isaacson and then you've got six kind of youngsters. So good kind of mix of youth and experience. But overall, I think they're going to be um, quite a poor team. Really, it's all about Zlatan. They've not really got anything else. And their coach, Eric Hamron said about them, ''A good cook can always make a good meal out of sausage.'' So that's his kind of take on the squad. No real star quality, but you've got to be able to make it. He's got one giant sausage up front. He's got one giant sausage (laughs) up front. Quality gourmet sausage up front. Very arrogant gourmet sausage (laughs) up front and loads of sort of peas in support. Yeah. I think they possibly have a chance of finishing bottom of this group and going out. But Mm. if they can go through, the team that finishes third in this group and qualify probably goes out to Spain or France in the next round. And then even if you finish second, then you will play the winners of Group F, so it's likely to be Portugal. So, really, I think this group is one that you really want to win. So, the key game for them as well is, is Ireland. I think it all boils down yeah. to that first game. Whoever gets a win in that one, I think, is probably a decent shout to finish at least third. And yes, if, as you say, if they can get a draw against Italy or even draw against Belgium. But just to finish up with, um, the wag, and I couldn't really look much further than Zlatan's <laughs> wag himself, she's called Helena Sega. Uh, she is launching her own sportswear label, A to Z Sportswear, and she's currently thought to be the key to whether Zlatan comes and joins Mourinho at United next oh. season, because she has, in typical and stereotypical wag style of put her foot down that she doesn't want to move to Manchester. She's more interested in moving to somewhere a bit more cosmopolitan like LA or New York. So, well, from the Man United of, uh, fans' point of view, hopefully she can be convinced. And Zlatan was um, once asked in a press conference what he had bought his wife, Helena, for her birthday. Like, well, why are you ask that in a press conference, I don't know. But his answer to what he was getting his wife for her birthday was, nothing. She already has Zlatan. So that's
2: there you go. Llatan. That's all you need. Classic
0: so that's Sweden. I don't expect them to go very far. If they manage to make it out of the group, they're going to get knocked out in the second round. He's
2: won, th- over the last 15 years, he's won 13 leagues. Slater. Yes, it's quite close. quite incredible, isn't it's amazing, he? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah.
0: almost a guaranteed league title. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last team in this group is Belgium. A few people's dark horses a few years ago before they disappointed ultimately at the world at the
1: World Cup. Yeah. So what do you make of Belgium, guys? Saving the best team till last, as you said, top ranked team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. The only country with a manager used to be a politician in Mark Wilmot's a senator
2: okay. in the American Belgian Club. Parliament.
1: Yeah. And they've only lost two games since the last World Cup, so they've been pretty solid since they lost Argentina in the
2: quarterfinals last time round. Even with company, who is going to be a big loss, uh, injured, they, their defence will still be you know, Vertonghen, Vermeulen, Alberveld. Lumber, you know all the names. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things. You know, but they don't play them in position, do they?
0: Because they play Vertonghen as a left-back, yeah, which yeah. he can play, but he is um, kind of wasted
2: not being but a center-back. But now the, now the company's out, the yes. pro, I'm guessing they'll move him inwards. Well, they've yeah, called yeah. up Jason Denea, for, who's a man... I thought, I thought you going to say Jason Deruno for a second.
1: <laughs> He's a wild <laughs> he card. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they've called him up to replace company in the... Yeah. The smart money is on him playing at centre-back oh, okay, and okay. then sticking with the full-backs, which, mm. as Ben was saying, it seems crazy. Just as Italy have got their ready-made back-four unit yeah. from Juventus. The BBC. It, it seems strange not to go with the, the AV mm. um, combination of Spurs centre-back. You've got the best centre-back partnership in the Premier League and you're just splitting them and putting them at full-back. It does seem I mean, that's counter because both of them at fullback, don't they? They like at right-back, they play yeah. Vertonghen at left-back. And it makes sense, they've got Lombards and company both fit and playing, but without company, it, it does seem strange. Yeah. And the rationale is they've got lots of creative, they've got Hazard and De Bruyne, and they've got lots of attacking threats, so they want to get the ball, their tactic is to get it up to them as quickly as possible. Mm. And to give them more freedom on the wing, they like having quite solid fullbacks, so they don't want to have a Kyle Walker style player at fullback. They do want a solid fullback. Right, right. yeah. But it does seem. Very strange when calling up a 20-year-old centre-back to yeah. play. Who well, what you also miss out
0: on is one of the features of Tottenham's season was the long diagonals from Alderweireld. He hit a couple of crackers through to Dele Alley where he just sort of volleyed it straight home. Obviously, you put Alderweireld at right-back. I mean, he's not going to be doing those diagonals as much. Yeah. You um, can get
1: even more of a diagonal from fullback. <laughs> yeah, big blame. The champagne football from fullback to fullback. <laughs> the other option at left back is um, Jordan Lukaku. Oh,
2: yes. Uh,
1: Rama. Ah, Goddard. he sounds familiar.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was a picture, I remember, uh, like <coughs> three or four years ago. Uh, I think he was only 16. And there was this video that went around of him. He was playing Utes for Bruges or whoever it was. Even when he was 15 or 16, he must have been six foot five. He looked ridiculous. He looked like he was playing... He was, he was young. But he looks like he was playing his like, nine-year-olds. It was amazing. It was just... It's the exact opposite of the Val Buena photo that we talked about
1: last yeah. week, where he looks like him. <laughs> it's the opposite. He looks like a giant with <laughs> the kids.
0: Yeah, because yeah, the Belgium national team is quite interesting as to how they've brought through this golden generation that they've got at the moment. Because... Belgium went through the doldrums. They had a really poor period. I mean, they had a decent side around nineteen ninety, yeah, early yeah. 90s. But then after that, they were a bit of a joke, embarrassment. And they mm. did the classic root and branch transformation of Belgian football. Yeah. And the way that they did it is actually now being studied by loads of teams. I saw a documentary that Scotland have gone over and looked at how they did it over the last few years. <laughs> and what, one of the things that they did was... They came up with a manual. It was a sort of Bible on how Belgian teams will be playing football. Oh. Uh, and it was a 4 3 3 kind of setup when everybody at the time was was largely playing 4-4-2 and they insisted the Belgian FA insisted that all youth teams including all the professional clubs have to play 4-3-3 up to the um, yeah. first team first team is allowed to play something else but in effect they'd all sort of grown up playing 4-3-3 and now uh, Barcelona does, does the same thing so Anderlet Bruges all of the big all of the big Belgian clubs of which there are Belgium. so many,
4: so <laughs> many they, they were all
0: forced and they were quite resistant at the time they said who, who are you to come in and tell us how to play but they are now um, reaping the rewards of that they also set up a sort of Bloomfontaine style academy, academy set up yeah. Burton on Trent style. Burton on Trent style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they uh, are now really kind of reaping their rewards with this this generation of like re- really quite impressive generation. Amazing. you know, company yeah. Alderweireld, Batongne, Axel Witzel, Eden Hazard, Lukaku. They've all kind of been through this system. And techie, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't necessarily put him in that bracket, it but uh, very generous. Gem- years ago, very, very was of you. There's you? also another. Another factor you haven't mentioned, Ben, which is it's a little bit like France 98. This has been referred to as a kind of rainbow team representing a, a modern and diverse mm. society. So if you look at up front, they've got Origi and Lukaku and Benteke, who are all first or second generation immigrants. Um, actually, one tactic Belgium have used quite well is bringing footballers in and then having them stay and have children. So Origi and Lukaku are both sons of former international oh. footballers. So Origi's dad played 120 times for Kenya. And so uh, no, that's been quite a productive uh, yeah. approach for them. But it, it is a, a melting pot in Witzel and there's a, a lots of a Fellaini. It, it is a yes, a new melting pot of players from Belgium. So that definitely has has strengthened yeah. their team with with that immigration in the country, and especially mm. with things going on politically and security wise. It is a very important tournament for Belgium to have some kind of national identity, Bit of unity, there. And unity,
2: yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a relatively young team still. Mm. Most of these guys are in their, their mid twenties. You would think that the experience of the World Cup will stand to them mm-hmm. in this one because like a lot of these guys were like early 20s in the World Cup and now I've had a few more years playing at the highest level hopefully it should click better this time Yeah, on. yeah.
1: if they don't get to the semi-finals it'll, they'll have really messed up whereas if you look at Spain Dal Bosque said reaching the semi-finals would be a good outcome for Spain mm. if Belgium don't get the semi-finals that would, they would have messed up. I think, actually, up front is a bit of a question mark. Who Hazard is? has had a very mixed season. He he, mm. has, he scored, was it, four goals in his last five games. Those were his first goals of the season. Yes. Um, and Lukaku, despite scoring lots of goals, did, did, like all other Everton players, go off the boil for the last ten games. Venteke's yes. had a poor season. Origi's been injured. Yes. Um, so have, they, exactly. they do have lots of strikers, but there's a question mark over form. I think
0: they're probably going to have one of the best benches so they'll have mm. lots of um, potential match winners coming on. Dembele's yeah. there, isn't he? Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Dembele, who has had um, a magnificent season for Spurs, and I can really see him being potentially one of the players of the tournament, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, if he can get hold of a midfield like he has for most of the season. He doesn't get hold of anyone's eyeballs. Exactly, <laughs>
1: yes. <It's laughs> either, he'll either be magnificent or he'll... Gouge someone, gouge someone, and get banned for the the whole. (laughs) After him, Jairo Costa has not been called up by Spain, so he should be okay. Excellent. Anything more on Belgium? Have you got a wag?
2: Haven't got a wag. I was looking up wags for them, and I went through Eden Hazard. (laughs) I was surprised by how homely his uh, Eden Hazard. Do you think a young? making a couple hundred grand a week would have some stunning models no very nice very a, a mother looks like a nice mother
0: all right <laughs> i like
2: that <laughs> Homely, yes, Homely, yes yeah, like so, that. i'm sure she's a great wife so
0: not not, <laughs> not going down the bouffon um, no route no, of a no, czech, no a czech supermodel <laughs> fair enough okay all right so well done and um, all right so let's wrap it up on this group then italy belgium sweden ireland who's going to win the group
2: Who's going to go through as runners-up? I suppose Belgium have to be the favourites for the group. I think You're so. Unanimous on that. Yeah, yeah. And then... I mean, it, this is a weak Italy team in comparison to recent years, so it's going to be kind of a all-in for the for the next couple of phases. Very, very mm-hmm. difficult. I, Ireland... I can see Ireland, just by the way they play and their style, I can see them nicking draws, you know? That kind of thing. And if they can beat... If they can get a win against Sweden... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll probably go through. I I can see them getting a draw at least against Italy. Yeah, so. It's going to be a low scoring group. I don't
1: think. I think Italy are going to set up quite defensively. Ireland, like you said. Might Italy be defensive going. never. <laughs> it. so, strikes Kedin. again. So too, I right? actually fancy Sweden to come second. I think yeah. Zlatan I will score. He will score a couple of goals. Um, and in a tight group, I think that could make the difference. Interesting. Interesting. Could okay. could do?
0: Okay. I'm going to go different here. I'm going to go with Sweden finishing bottom. Zlatan getting injured first game and then <laughs> basically <laughs> ruins their chances. Sweden finishing bottom. I, I think Ireland could easily pip uh, Italy for second spot. And Belgium, I think, will win the group. Yeah. I think. The fact that they're now second in the, in the rankings means that their performances in friendlies and qualifiers has been quite strong. So maybe that team spirit that we wouldn't quite see at the last World Cup, maybe it's starting to happen. And I can see them getting all the way through to the final, to be honest, mm. where they lose to France. All right, so let's talk about Group D, which also looks like another fairly strong group. We've got current European champions Spain in there, Croatia, always a good side, Uh, Czech Republic, perhaps not as good as they have been in the past, and the final team in that group is Turkey, Turkey, Turkey. who obviously had the uh, friendly against England last week and lost a relatively close match 2-1. Um, Who wants to start on this one? Shall we start with the European champions, Spain? What do you make of Spain, guys?
1: Uh, As I said a minute ago, Del Bosque said he's aiming for the um, semi-finals. So they've lost the aura they had, I think, before the the last World Cup. Mm. They are the defending champs. They won 2008 and 2012. And they've still got a lot of strength in their first team. Although I think, unlike previous tournaments, the first team does really rather pick itself. There are eight or nine
2: very good players but then the bench is weaker than before we've seen other players retiring and dropping off yes ten years ago you had this amazing group of players that came through and it doesn't seem to be that same Youth development as there used to be, you know. Spain always was known for that amazing youth development. It doesn't seem to be the same standard. And, and you had eight or nine attacking midfielders who you thought you could just swap them in. How yes.
1: on earth can Fabregas not going to start, or, or yeah. how can Keszola yeah. Cazor- or Mata? Yeah. yeah,
0: and now it seems that the team, yeah, as you said, largely picks itself, and they've got quite a few players who are sort of more in the twilight end of their career. So Iniesta is still one of the world's greatest midfielders, but he's thirty-two now. You've got Fabregas, who's just coming off the back of a relatively poor season um, for Chelsea, who will definitely start. And they've lost quite a few players from when we think about Spain at their strongest. Javi's We've, gone. Javi, David Villa's gone, Puyol's gone, Javi uh, Alonso is, is probably too old to get in the team now. So they actually have lost quite a lot of quality. And as you say, haven't necessarily, while they, while they have lots of sort of very good players coming through, do they have many excellent players coming through?
1: And they've got, yeah, as we said, a huge amount of experience. Casillas has got even even more caps than um, Buffon. He's got 166 international caps. Their centre-back pairing have over 200 caps between them and Ramos and Piquet. And the three guys in midfield, like you mentioned, Iniesta, Fabregas and Silva, they've got over 300 caps between them as well. So there's a huge amount of experience in those core areas. But it's whether they have enough energy, I think, and quality to go the whole way again this time. Yeah. yeah, and where I see them being weakest is actually up front, which is a
0: position we've like long associated with good strength for Spain. With you yeah. know Villa before him, with Raul um, and Torres, who had a, a few good years for Spain. Well, is, yeah. And now they, uh, they, Diego Costa is not even in the squad. I mean, that's not a huge loss. He's never really done it for Spain. But what it does mean is that they're very reliant on Alvaro Morata, who um, is sort of co-owned currently by Juventus and Real Madrid, who is highly rated and I think he's been linked with um, a £38 million move to Arsenal. But actually, when you look at his numbers, they don't really back it up. He only scored seven goals for Juventus this season. Um, He he does appear to have all the attributes. He's pacey. he's a good finisher,
1: he's good in the air. Is he a good finisher? Seven goals in the season for the well, best he, team in he, Italy. He looks like he should be a good finisher. I'd score seven <laughs> goals up front for Juventus, playing the whole season. he <laughs> would be playing a
0: goal, Tommy. Oh. Uh, he uh, was excellent in the Champions League semi-finals last year against Real Madrid, where he scored a goal in each of the games to take Juventus through to the final. But this year it hasn't really happened, and Juventus have actually built their attack around Paolo Dybala who's an Argentinian kid who's come through. So Alvaro Morata is going to be leading the line for Spain, one of the four favourites for this title, and he can't even get into his club side, and when he does, he doesn't score. And the backups to him up front are also equally unimpressive, and they've actually left out their top scorer... Uh, from the qualifying, who was uh, Alcacer. So the backups to um, Murata, you've got Nolito from CELTA, you've got 35-year-old Arex Adderiz, and then you've got an uncapped Real Madrid youngster in Lucas Vazquez. So, between all four of those strikers, they've got a grand total of 17 appearances for Spain. That's amazing. And only two goals. So, while Spain are likely to play one up front, and they will always have that threat from those attacking midfielders coming through, there's always a goal in Fabregas, Iniesta. Their number nine, I
2: would not be putting lots of money on to be top scorer in the competition. Any chance to go with the the false striker kind of no the, the no striker the, the, no striker the kind 4-6-0 of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they've
1: moved beyond yeah. that now De Bosque does want to play a striker and it's strange it's like like you say Alcacer's got twelve goal, uh, 6 goals in 13 games for Spain uh, Costa not a great season for him but he's still got 12 goals for Chelsea yeah. in the league this season Torres
2: got 11 for Atletico yeah, so okay. they've all scored more goals than Murata. so it, it does feel strange and Costa does add that physical element you think I mean Murata is a good size kind of guy but there's no one else Costa adds something different I would have mm. thought but.
0: it's it's an odd one because he's never really done it for, for Spain yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's only got one goal for Spain in ten appearances and always th- the, it's a dearth of options really it seems yeah. surprising to leave somebody of
1: his uh, at least club calibre yeah. out I um, can see why I'd leave him out because his personality may be disruptive and that mm. kind of thing and his ten games he was injured it was the last World Cup he was really rushed Hmm. rushed back from injury and he yes. just clearly wasn't fit but but to leave out all three Costa, Torres and Alcacer just despite they... Them having better scoring records than yeah. uh, Murata does does seem
3: strange. It is quite strange. strange. There's a lot
0: of
1: faith put in Murata. But I think he's
0: going to play up front with sort of Fabregas, Silva, Iniesta behind. I think yeah. one of the problems that we're going to have with Spain, uh, they're going to play this 4 2 3 1, but all of their players want to come in central. So I think they're going to be squeezing the space in the centre. They have no great natural width unless they bring on somebody like Coque from Atletico Madrid, who's an excellent player. I think that we'll probably see something similar to what happened in the World Cup two years ago, where Spain massively underperformed, where they had a lot of uh, sterile possession on the edge of the area, kind of passing it around, you know, 70 odd percent of possession, yeah. but were devastatingly counterattacked by the Dutch, who smashed them 5-1, Chile okay. taken to pieces by Chile yeah. as well. And I think there's a risk that Spain has been kind of worked out the way that they play by other teams. And without the real pace and finishing of a striker like Villa, they may struggle to actually convert that possession into goals. It could. It could go badly wrong for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, with this group in particular, there is a massive incentive to win this group rather than finishing second because... The runner-up of this group is going to play the winner of Group E, which we've just talked about, which is probably going to be Belgium, maybe Ireland or Italy, but it's looking like it's probably likely going to be Belgium. Uh, Whereas the uh, winner of this group then plays a third-place team from Groups B, E or F. So that could be Russia or Wales from England's group, Ireland or Sweden perhaps from that Group E, and Iceland or Austria or Hungary from uh, Group F. But even if they do win this group, I can see Spain easily going out in the quarters or not getting beyond the semis. Mm-hmm. I think, as Del Bosco has said, yeah, getting to the semis is good. I'd be very surprised to see them win that semi.
1: It's interesting, it sounds like De Gea will get the nodding goal, but he's only had eight caps for Spain and he was picked for half of the qualifying game. So Del Bosco was rotating the two keepers and mm-hmm. Casillas... There's a captain, 166 caps. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It feels like De Gea is the better goalkeeper now, yeah. but the stature and the aura that Casillas has as captain winning the World Cup and two Euros. Yeah. The key but, man will be Busquets for them, really. If we're saying they're going to be trying to pass the ball around, Busquets will be the, the anchor in their midfield. Yes, well, especially with the absence of Thiago
0: Alcantara, Bayern mm-hmm. Munich uh, midfielder, who um, is a bit of a blow that he's absent. So,
1: yes, Busquets'
0: role becomes absolutely crucial.
1: The most accurate passer of the ball in the qualifying, ninety-seven percent of his passes found ninety-seven percent over the entirety of qualifying. Yep. But amazing. he does do a lot of sideways passes, he does. doesn't he? But so for every miss every pass he misses, the next thirty-two will go to a teammate. That's good yeah. mathematics. So seven hundred and forty five passes he completed in the qualifying. How many of which... them were forwards though? <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Two
0: incomplete <laughs> forward passes. And seven hundred and forty three Accurate defensive passes.
1: Incredibly, lots of players around 700, like Bonucci, has 722 passes in qualifying, but... The number one passer, more than 300 ahead of Busquets, was Tony Cruz, with over 1,000 completed passes. Oh, and, and a lot saved. of those
0: will have been forward passes. A lot of those will be those lovely diagonals that he chips out to the wingers and the fullbacks. A lot of years ahead, yeah. A lot of years ahead, yeah. So I can see this being a very tight group. I can see it being a very interesting group. But I think the key game is the Croatia versus Spain game, which is one of the final round of fixtures. So it's in Bordeaux on the 21st of June. And I can see that being the game that decides the group If they can win that game and finish top, they could easily get to the quarters or semis. If they lose that game and finish second, they could be going out in the second round. Mm. So that's the big crunch um, game. Any more to say about Spain? Like the World Cup, they might even qualify from their group. Very possibly, yes. It's it's going to be a really interesting group, these. In fact, both of these groups, D and E, are going to be really interesting groups. So Some of the groups which are really, it's very obvious, who's going to be winning them. But this one, these two have a little bit of... um, Flexibility and who's going to win. Bit a choice. So I've also chosen a WAG. Uh, I've got one, but it was, let's All see right. who, who you choose. So I think the obvious choice is to go for Gerard Piquet's Shakira. Or, of course, Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. Shakira. Um, or there's Sarah Carbonero, who is Iker Casillas' girlfriend, who is oh, the she, touchline yeah. reporter. who um, has She reports Real Madrid TV, and she's got in trouble in the past for putting Iker Casillas off by distracting him during warm-ups.
1: So both Buffon and Casillas have, have ended up with uh, TV sports. Exactly, yes. Yeah. It's almost so like, like that's a, a thing. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't gone for either of
0: those. I've gone for David De Gea's girlfriend. Oh. And the expectation, yeah, <laughs> and you'll see why. She's called Eda. No no um, information as to whether she's related to Eden Hazard uh, She is a Spanish pop star She has had two top ten albums in the last ten years And she represented Spain in last year's Eurovision Song Contest Where she finished 21st out of 27 with only 15 <laughs> points And my devotion to research for the inverted wingers knows no bounds I listened to her song And it is proper shite. (laughs) I mean, really, it's fucking dreadful to
1: read. I'm surprised she even got 15 points. She did, however, beat the English entry. (laughs) We were also talking about Louis Walsh earlier, and she's a host on Spain's Got Talent, or a judge on Spain's Got Talent. So a nice link there. There She also got asked recently, uh, when De Gea was rumoured to be joining around Madrid, she was meant to be a driving force that she's got a career in in Madrid and wants to be based there. So lots of stories that she was the one driving that. She got asked in an interview. Would you describe Manchester as being as ugly as the back of a fridge? She said, that sounds about right. So she, she's, <laughs> she that is a, huge... a setup. That is a huge setup. She's been stitched up there by that journalist. She probably didn't understand the question. It's so bizarre. So just like Zlatan and, and his his wife in Manchester, there 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 is history with the, the cosmopolitan reputation of the city. Yeah. Shall we move on to Croatia then?
0: Let's. Okay. So Croatia, um, I think, have the potential to be really good and could easily be rivalling Spain for top spot in in this group. Um, They're ranked 23rd in the FIFA rankings, but I think on their day they can beat anyone and they, they have potentially one of the best midfields in the competition. So they've got some players that we know very well, Luka Modric of Real Madrid, Ivan Rakitic at Barcelona. They've got Mario Mandzukic up front. They've got a couple of other really experienced players who probably should be higher profile than they are. Ivan Perisic at Inter is an excellent mm-hmm. left winger. Um, they've got Matteo Kovacic, um, who's a young central midfielder coming through at Real Madrid. And they've also got um, Marcelo Brozovic, uh, who's a central midfielder at Inter. So, for a long um,
1: line of midfielders, So they should be quite strong in midfield. Ivan Isevic on the left as well.
0: Goran Ivanovic, yeah, powering down good the serve. Good yeah, serve. exactly. <laughs>
1: Karlovic, a big man up front.
0: And of course, they have also got Barcelona's wonder kid, Alan Halilovic, um who's only 19, but he's been hyped for a few years since he um, got uh, transferred over to Barcelona. Has he been any good? With he, well, hype? he's not. He's not actually been that good. He's been sent out on loan to Sporting Gijon, or Sporting Gijon, Gijon. as it's correctly pronounced. <laughs> but he's got wonderful dribbling skills, um, and he looks like he could be a really good player if he can pull it together and he's uh, he's actually quite feisty as well he's, he's started playing men's football at the age of 16 for Dynamo Zagreb so he's, he can take the rough and tumble as well and so will, he, potentially, he be starting for them? he won't be starting um, uh, or he may start but he's more likely to come off the bench as an impact player but you know we've seen impact players in previous tournaments who if they come on and score a goal you know Michael Owen did it Wayne Rooney did it they can mm. force their way into the team so the coach for Croatia is called Antti Kacic or tachic. Um And he's quite interesting because he uh, didn't uh, start out in football until quite late in his life. He was actually a TV and radio repair man before he became a football manager. <laughs> and he'd only been manager of um, Lokomotiva Zagreb for a matter of months when he was put in charge of the national team. So um, it's
1: like Handy Andy going to manage Crystal Palace. <laughs> yes, then, uh, exactly. He's
0: a manager. Yes, he's done a sort of um, Dion Dublin re- reverse. He's gone from yeah uh, outside of football career into football rather than Dion Dublin, who now is of course home, Homes Under the Hammers' uh, greatest ever <laughs> presenter. Um, yeah, he has had, has managed various teams, but he's never been very um, successful. Uh, his longest engagement was the three years he spent as assistant manager of World Heavyweights Libya. <laughs> But he was appointed by Davosuka, who is the head of the Croatian Federation, and it has been extremely controversial um, uh, with the Croatian public. They didn't really understand why this TV <laughs> video repair man <laughs> <fair> enough, <laughs> is in charge of their national team. But they did all right in qualifying, second in Italy's group, uh, with a six wins, three draws, one loss record. But they did uh, only concede five goals, so they looked to be... Quite a solid defensive team, despite not having um, any well-known players in their back four, apart from uh, Vedran Korluka, who used to play for Man City and oh, Spurs. Yes. They will, however, be without their best defender, who is Liverpool's Dejan Lovren, who has had a major falling out with TV and video repairman <laughs> Anchi Kasic, um, about a warm-up routine, of all things. And he, the 26-year-old is refusing to back down, and he said, ''I will not apologize. I will either travel to France as a starting player or I am not going. I always get mad when papers publish half-truths, so the fitness coach told me to go warm up for 10-15 minutes. I said okay and went to warm up. After 15 minutes passed, I stayed there for a while, but it was cold and I had no jacket, so I returned to the bench. So, this is, of course, the mother of all rows. That's an excellent (laughs) reason for any player to not go to uh, a a European Championship, so he won't be there. So, we'll have to see how Croatia's defence does without him. It's good Liverpool centre-backs are getting a rest this summer then. Yeah, well, yeah, good for you. So, yeah, I think they could be quite good on their day, obviously, with like, Modric and Rakitic pulling strings, um, Pirasic who's actually a criminally underrated left winger, um, and Mandzukic, if he can re- recover some of the form of, um, sort of four years ago. Mm. Uh, they could be an excellent team. And if Halilovic coming off the bench, if they're struggling, I can actually see them being a very dynamic and um, incisive team. Will they be weak at the back? Is that fair? Well, weaker, but five goals conceded in ten qualifying games suggests that they've got something about them. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think they could be solid. And, of course, they will, of course, have one of the world's greatest kits on show, that lovely Czech red and white effect. They can't have the Czechs team, can they? <laughs> what are uh, the
1: Czechs going to wear?
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, they're all off-dating uh, Buffon, so they don't care so much. <laughs> I can see Croatia beating Czech Republic, and I can see them beating Turkey, so that final game could be... It'd be big. Decisive.
1: Yeah. And I've also
0: chosen a, a WAG for Croatia. It's Ivan Rakitic's wife, Raquel Maori Rakitic. Raquel Rakitic. Raquel Rakitic, yeah. And there's Rows a whole nice story about, about it. Because <laughs> he met her on the day that he signed for Sevilla from German club Schalke. And he said about the occasion, I went back to the club hotel after dinner with the sporting director of Sevilla. I knew the following day I had the medical and then the contract with the president, so I was nervous. I didn't want to sleep, so I went to the hotel bar with my brother for a coffee. The woman, who is now my wife, was serving. Another team had called him and said that they were prepared to lay on a private plane for me to go and sign for them. And he said to his brother, no, I've given my word to the severe president. I'm going to sign the contract tomorrow
1: and I'm going to marry that waitress. So there you go are you suggesting it was a plant from Sevilla putting an attractive <laughs> barmaid in the been, hotel to, to keep seal him, the deal keep him there yeah. echoes of the Schneiderlin, um story from last week exactly yes the Adidas Adidas shop story
0: yeah
1: on their day excellent team same about the, the manager really well I mean also Simon Bilic well, the, he was in charge I think what they could well, do well the good
0: thing is if the facilities that Croatian squad are playing at are not very good if they've got any AV problems if they have TVs <laughs> they and were a handyman right well. there exactly so there should be excellent reception in the Croatian team hotel this year the showers will be a perfect temperature tree right. in post match he doesn't do water he does, he does electrics so unless unless they've got electric showers they're fucked <laughs>
2: All right. So, who else are we looking at in this group? Czech Republic. Republic. Yeah, I've been looking at the Czech Republic. Um, You know, growing up, obviously Czech Republic. Go back to the great team in '96 when they got beaten in the final by uh, Germany. They won it back in '76. Well, as Czechoslovakia. But this team is... Oh, is that
0: when they had the Penenka penalty? Penenka penalty, yeah. yes.
2: Indeed. One of inverted wingers' favourite footballers. <laughs> indeed. But this team is not on... That, that squad is not on the same level at all. Um, the only two players that really stand out from the Czech Republic panel are the two Arsenal players, uh, Peter Czech and Goals and Tom Strzyski. Mm-hmm. And Rzyski is thirty-five. They still got Rzyski in the squad. That's the thing. I mean, they, they also have Jan Koller
0: six-foot-nine <laughs> up front.
2: Pavel Nedved
0: coming off Nedved the bench.
2: But yeah, it's a. I mean, that kind of is a sign that shows the weakness of the panel. Like uh, is thirty-five, constantly injured, and they still need him. Uh, the team, in terms of where the players are based, it's really. Backboned by players still based in the Czech Republic. Right, There's like okay. six or seven guys from Slavia Prague on the panel. Mm. And you really have to look very hard for any sort of uh, talent in this team. Right. There's obviously is the a team that, go, that has gotten by maybe Irish esque uh, on good team ethic. Yes. Hard work. Yeah. I wonder if any of the players'
1: wives are uh, judges on Czech Republic's Got Talent trying to <laughs> I, identify talent for... That
2: you should go. be
0: their new strategy. <laughs> but the Belgian plan of having, you know, root and
2: branch. Just get some... <laughs> Salad get show. Some, show. Get yeah. Louis Walsh out there. Exactly. They got to the finals, of course, by beating uh, Netherlands 3-2 in the last game. Uh, famously. Did, famously, exactly. 3-2. And... The team actually, if you look at their ages as well, a lot of them are nearly, i think say the average age of this team must be 29 or 30. Really? As well, yeah, because I can't see any real hot young player coming through. They so won't it's like actually going
0: to be one of the oldest groups as well then, because the Spain team is quite old. Yeah. Um, Croatian team has got some oldies in there as
2: well. Like they have, uh, this the one young player I can see here, uh, Patrick Shtick, who plays with uh, Sparta Prague. He's twenty years old. He's, the, he's he's he stands out simply by the fact that he's so much younger than everyone else. <laughs> okay. So he must be there. So a geriatric Czech squad. It's a quite quite an old Czech squad. A good goalkeeper, <laughs> I suppose. A Peter Czech, one of our class goalkeeper. Yes, but uh, can't say a whole lot more from him. I, I, I see him struggling heavily in this group. Okay. So,
1: yeah, Turkey were the only team to qualify for the tournament as the best third place finishers. So, they have a unique position in the tournament. And in which group was that? that? That was behind Czech Republic, was behind it? Behind Czech Republic and Iceland. But they did finish above the Netherlands. And it was looking very shaky. Iceland won the group. Yeah. Amazing.
2: Amazing. Iceland, who are a country of three hundred thousand people,
0: yeah, and are amazingly not even the lowest-ranked team in the competition. They are above uh, Albania, and they're also above Sweden. Sweden, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're ranked thirty-five, and Sweden are
1: thirty-six. So surprised. So yeah, after after three matches of qualifying, they were bottom of the group, joint bottom with Kazakhstan, <laughs> but they really turned it around and, and ended up pipping Netherlands to that that third third mm. place finish. So they qualified. But it looked very... They lost their first two matches and then drew. I mean, that's um, the incredible thing, isn't it? Like, three teams qualified from this group and the Netherlands still couldn't, couldn't make it. it. I mean, it's that amazing. is unbelievable. And, um, yeah, they're, they're ranked 13th in the world by FIFA, whose rankings we do put a lot of faith in. That's true, yeah. In this podcast. <laughs> um, but they are ranked above Ben's favourites, France, for the tournament. They're, yeah. they're highly rank, higher ranked than them. Yeah, ranked 13th. But how it, are they? Th- how are they ranked thirteenth? Because well, they're impressive they, third place finish in qualifying.
3: <laughs> that's, that's, that's just behind point. Iceland. <laughs> they haven't been getting
0: a huge number of points from the qualification campaign by virtue of finishing third. They haven't done particularly well. I mean, were they even in the World Cup two years ago? No. Nope. So how are they? How can they possibly be thirteenth
1: unless they've been like hammering? They lost fr- to England in a friendly. They're not even friendly specialists. Yeah, <laughs> but this is nonsense. Their coach is an interesting character, uh Fatty Terim. Mm. He's he been their coach probably since the turn of the century. He's also oh, been a test rate manager century. for a long time. Since he. 1993, <laughs> apart from the 2000-2001 period, he's only had two different jobs, but he's he's coached Turkey 3 TV and video repair man. <laughs> <laughs> he's coached Turkey 3 times and Galatasaray right. three times right. in that period so he's a two job man really and he was at the helm when they got they had a good run in the 2008 Euros getting to the semi-final under his leadership and he was very highly regarded in 2000 when we went to Italy Barcelona and Liverpool both were apparently linked, linked to him as a manager so he's got pedigree he's known as an emperor I mean he went to Italy, didn't he? He sort of flopped. Was it at Inter or somewhere he was? He there? went. He had two jobs. Uh, it was a it was a strange period for him. He was he was at Napoli, I think, and then had a had a row with the chairman and left. But then he went to Milan after that. So yeah, the manager he he pulled it round and got them got them through to the tournament. And as I said, he's he's got lots of experience of managing the Turkish national team. Yeah, but the te- the team is a, is an interesting mix. They've got a Vulcan in goal. A Vulcan? Vulcan, yeah. So they got a Klingon yeah. on the wing? A Vulcan Babacan. Vulcan and, so. and they've got their most famous players, Arda Turan of Barcelona, of course, who's yeah. had a strange season after his big money move. Because of the a strange half a season. Because of the transfer embargo. He didn't play. Right he made here. his debut six months after signing and has only made nine starts for them this season. So their 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 Talisman and their most creative or the highest profile creative player has had a very strange Season in not really playing much. Yeah, so that will be an interesting one to see. They've got a lot of uh, technically gifted players, attacking midfielders, and it, we're talking about how Belgium have lots of immigrant players playing mm. for them. Turkey almost have the opposite. They've got mm. lots of emigrants who have gone to places like Germany and Netherlands. Yeah. Mesut Ozil. Emre Chan are both two examples who've gone to Germany and now play for Germany. But quite a few of their, their brightest young players are actually born and grew up in Germany or the Netherlands and are now, they've, some fun. of them have opted uh, a positive choice to play for them and others probably have thought they wouldn't get in the German team. Yeah. So yeah. are playing for Turkey. But um, now their main creative player, Hakan Kalhanoglu, Plays via Leverkusen in Germany. He was born in Germany, but he's come back and he's now really pulling the strings for them. He's taking lots of set pieces and, and their main creative threat. And he scored against England, didn't he, that guy? Indeed. Yes, he did.
0: <laughs> Decent goal as well.
1: And I think my my favourite story about um, Turkey... I'm not going to do a wag, I'm afraid, but I am going to do a little backstory. Another of their players called Gokhan Torre, who formerly of Chelsea... And he was born in Cologne in Germany, so another one of this group of of talented players. He is in the squad, despite, a bit like Wayne Rooney, he's suspended for the first two matches. I thought for Um, a second you were going to say fucked a granny. (laughs) (laughs) I I would not rule that out. (laughs) But like Wayne Rooney, um, before when he was suspended, he's been picked, despite not being eligible for the first two games. So... The manager's really made a statement of intent and he's said publicly he, he sees him as a, a key pick because they will be advancing from the group yeah, and he'll, be, he'll come into the tournament. But um, he, formerly of Chelsea, um, and he now been linked with a move to West Ham in the summer, he's back playing for Besiktas in Turkey, but he's been linked with a move to the Premier League again. He, in 2013, during the qualification for the World Cup, he felt aggrieved at another German-born Turkish player, Omer Toprak, mm-hmm. um, centre-back for for Turkey. He was aggrieved that he thought his ex-girlfriend had, had an affair with um, Toprak. So, after the qualifying match... So hang on, are we saying Toprak the love rat? Toprak love rat. Mm. <laughs> he thought that he'd been having an affair with his ex-girlfriend. So, he decided to kind of teach him a lesson and he, he was all choked up about this. So... Um, Toprak and Calvin were both back in their hotel room, getting ready to fly back to Leverkusen. Torrey got his one of his friends to go up to their room with a gun. Oh, um, oh this is quite serious. <laughs> so, and he pinned them both down and got them on the floor and basically threatened them and and told them if anything happened again, they'd be they'd be dead. So hang on, he, did he catch them in
0: flagrante? Did he catch them <laughs>
1: naked? They were just packing their bags, ready to go home. So the,
0: he, oh, he he did install the action. It was
1: suspe- he suspected this had happened, yeah. So he he, right. he so he decided to ruffle up his, his teammate after the qualifying match. At least he didn't do it before the game, yeah. I guess. No one knows if it's actually true that it's suspicion. So it's possible that Top Rack didn't even he didn't even realise he was a love rat right. uh, during the game. He just had this m- teammate bursting in just, with a gun. <laughs> teammate's friend in in with a gun. So obviously they were a bit shaken up about this and the next would be. international game when um both Kalinoglu, who wasn't even really involved other than sharing a room with his club teammate uh uh he him... well, may have been thinking at this point, well, seeing as everybody thinks I'm doing it, I may as well at least have the sex.
0: You know, I may as well at least get some <laughs> get some recompense for being violently assaulted with a weapon.
1: <laughs> so Ogler and Top Rack were both called up for the next next uh qualifying match along with Torre but then Leverkusen told the Turkish federation that both players were injured and unavailable for selection uh-huh. and sent the w- the wife instead <laughs> and the the ex was sent instead but um and then they both then played, started the next match for Leverkusen a week later. So mm. um, there's been toing and froing with the with the coach picking one and then not picking picking them. So, but it now seems that there's, there's some resolution that they're both in the squad. Maybe when Torre comes back in the third match, the other two have to be dropped. We, we shall see. But it's a interesting. Um, it's a so that's a little sort of domestic triangle, triangle a, to look a, out for. An ex-WAG having a real effect on the on the national team. Very good. And Torre, in 2014, he got shot in a nightclub. He was one of five people who uh, had gunshot wounds. He got shot in the shoulder... And his club claimed it had nothing to do with him. He was a bystander in an argument between another couple. But oh, so, so it's guns and women so, again. So gun crime does seem to follow him around. Um, oh, wow. He's an explosive winger. He's a and dangerous character. We'll see. I'm not sure why he's suspended. I don't think it involves a gun crime in qualifying. But, um, yeah, he, look out for him in the third match right. of the tournament. Excellent. Great. So, how, how do you see Turkey
0: doing? I mean, we saw them play against England, and as you said, they are quite a technical team. They passed the ball very well. There were actually long periods of that game where they kept the ball much better than England did, and they
1: look to have a decent striker up front now as well. Can you see them getting out of this group, Tom? Definitely. I think. I think it depends which team turns up, and but I think they've got the creativity. They've got some technical skills, and it could be quite an interesting group. I think.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I think Croatia and Spain will be the top two teams in it. Mm -hmm. And then I think Turkey beats Czech Republic so I see Turkey coming third basically so I see a penny. I see Czech probably getting beaten by all three I think but I think of all of the
0: third place teams that go through Turkey are probably one of the more dangerous ones in yeah. that second round yeah. it's a lot of third place teams that you, could, you just can't see them qualifying from the next match but Turkey should be
1: able to put up a and obviously fight. they're specialists in fin- finishing third place and qualifying having got here for <laughs> yeah. that route already that's so true yeah. they're known for it known watch, for watch this space and we talked about the dearth of good quality strikers in the tournament they've got um Burak Yilmaz who is their top scorer mm-hmm. in qualifying mm-hmm. 20 goals for Turkey in his career pretty consistent striker for them one in two but it's unclear whether he'll be playing he's he's now gone to Beijing so a bit like the Italy squad and their players right. going going to so-called lesser leagues mm. there's some uncertainty whether he will actually start now that, he, now that he's playing in China but I think yeah definitely Turkey are, are a decent bet to finish third and to go through
0: yeah And whoever does win this group actually has a decent
1: path through. So
0: whoever wins this, as we mentioned, they're going to play a a third-place team from uh, one of the groups in the second round. And if they then win that second round, then they will be likely up against the winner of the match between the runner-ups in groups A and C. So that could mean possibly against Switzerland or Poland in the quarterfinal. So whoever does win this group has got a decent route through to the semi-final. at which point I fully expect them to be knocked out. (laughs) by yeah. uh, I think it's I think it's France they uh, it's either France or Germany they get through to Ben's putting everything on France yeah everything <laughs> on France despite the fact that they have no strikers so yeah alright guys so that wraps up the two groups that we talked about today it's all very exciting bring on, bring on the tournament absolutely exactly, definitely um, Cahol have you got any gigs coming up that you want to um, promote right.
2: <laughs> yeah I'll be playing uh, in the 5th uh, Kentish Town at um, what is it called Rose and Crown Big name. Big name venue. Oh, no, it's huge. Huge. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Have you got any material that's about um, football? I actually don't. I need. Maybe I should throw in some. Uh, well, back home, I used to do a joke, all right, about how the whole peace process was essentially about Southern Irish being able to get all the best Northern Irish players. Nice. That's essentially oh. what it led to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I'm not going to bore you with that, but uh, <laughs> I, maybe maybe unfortunately you we go to these things in Kentish Town or Camden it's a bunch of hipsters who know nothing about sports right Okay. so you have to play to your crowd play to your crowd yeah 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 unfortunately alright
0: well if you're interested in uh, checking out some more of uh, Cattle's stuff go along and see him at the Rose and Crown on the 5th was it 5th of June?
2: Uh, 5th of June yeah excellent
1: and I'll be singing outside the Crown and (laughs) Sceptre next Saturday night in Christchurch Road in Streatham there there?
0: Uh, indeed is that a real thing? Did you say outside as in
1: busking? Are you Are going to have a little... <laughs> Just a little sing-song on the way home,
2: maybe. <laughs> all right, nice. Just have a few drinks
1: and uh, exactly. sing outside. Excellent, great.
0: So you can check out both of our whinges uh, <laughs> in the forthcoming weeks. Great, all right, well, so we're only a couple of weeks away now. I'm really looking forward to it. So we will do one more preview show next week, which will cover, of course, England's group. Great, so thank you very much to Cahol and thank to you. Tom for joining us today. And until this time next week, guys, enjoy your football.
2: Au revoir. Au revoir indeed.